A Dad's Guide Podcast, episode number 10. My name is Anthony Kim. Today, in this episode, we're going to talk about work. Work encompasses a huge amount of people's time. Typically, people work Monday to Friday, eight hours a day, and usually have some commuting time in there to boot. If you're part of a two-income family like myself, both you and your wife are working, which doesn't leave too much time for family social life, what have you. This episode's all about trying to curtail the amount of time that you spend at work doing work-related things and to try to get that pot of spare time and then apply to other things that you care about. So work isn't everything, obviously. Um, For myself, I, I work as a radiation oncology physicist. It could be a pretty demanding job when it comes to time, but I feel like using some of the tips that I'm going to go over with you right now, I've been able to curtail my work hours such that I have more time to do things like this podcast, uh, spending time with my wife and my daughter, and to do other kind of hobbies I like to do like writing or exercising. So I hope this episode helps you out. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to read three chapters from my book, A Dad's Guide to Spare Time. A Dad's Guide to Spare Time is a book on time management, productivity, getting the most out of your time so that you're able to get what you need done and have extra time left over to do what you want. A big part of this book is about work. And uh, these three chapters, I hope, will give you three tips on how to make the most out of your workday such that you have more spare time in the bank at the end of the day. So without further ado, here are the first, here are three chapters in A Dad's Guide to Spare Time. The first chapter is called Restructure Your Work Home Commute. Every day, Monday to Friday, sleep-deprived zombies herd themselves into cars, trains, and subways and shuffle off to their destinations. These are not the actual walking dead from the impending and unavoidable zombie apocalypse, which is growing ever closer, so stock up on your survival bunker. Rather, these are grim-faced, salaried office workers stealing themselves for another long commute. For many people, getting to work is half the battle of holding down a job. I know people who drive three hours a day to get to and from the office. If you measure that against the standard eight-hour workday, that is an insane amount of time on the road. There are many ways to slice time off of the daily commute. The first step is to determine exactly how much time you spend getting to and from work. You probably know what this is already, but in case you do not, try timing your door-to-door commute for three days so that you have an objective idea about how much of your life is spent getting to work. Once you have the number of commuting hours per day, multiply that by 250. This is approximately the number of working days per year, accounting for holidays and vacations. You may be surprised at what your number is. For myself, I spend 80 minutes a day commuting. This works out to 333 hours per year. That's 8.3 full-time work weeks. For someone who commutes a soul-crushing four hours a day, that works out to 25 full-time work weeks per year. It It really brings things into perspective when you telescope your daily commute throughout the entire year using this calculation. It also should motivate you into brainstorming ways to significantly reduce your commuting time. Here are some tips on how to do just that. Shift your hours so that you can avoid rush hour traffic. 
it is a perfectly viable request to your boss to shift your hours to offset you from rush hour traffic. Instead of aiming to get to work by 9 and leave by 5, try pulling an 8.30 to 4.30 workday. Even a half hour shift away from what everyone else is doing may shave quite a lot of time from your commute. You and your wife can strategically stagger your commutes so that the kids get dropped off at school or daycare and you both avoid rush hour traffic. Another example is find a different mode of transportation to get to work. It might be that you can get to work faster using a different method than you do use right now. You could stop driving and use transit so that you could actually do something during your bus or train ride like reading. If you cannot break free of the car, then try doing a real-time optimization of your route to work by employing technology. Use Google Maps or the iPhone equivalent to find you the optimal route based on the current state of traffic. That way, that bossy electronic voice from your cell phone can guide you to and from work in the shortest time possible. You can telecommute. There are tons of big companies that actually force their employees to telecommute for part of the week. It frees up valuable desk space in office towers by doing this. Plus, it makes for happier employees. I know several people who exclusively telecommute for work. I know a guy who works as an applications trainer and chooses to live in Las Vegas because he can work from anywhere that has an internet connection and he lives like a rock star as a result. Telecommuting is great for harvesting more spare time because it utterly eliminates the teeth grating grind of the daily commute. Move closer to work. If possible, move closer to work assuming all other conditions are favorable for your new location such as the schools are good, crime is low, and lifestyle is great. Granted, this is not an option for everybody, as it may be difficult to live in a location where both you and your wife can easily get to work. It is something you should at least consider, though. You can work closer to home. Again, not an option for everyone, but it is worth considering. Factors to consider are, would a job closer to home bring in more money, job satisfaction, and career opportunity? In my home metropolis of Toronto, I know people who do this all the time. I know a doctor who shortened his commute from 2 hours one way to 30 minutes simply by switching jobs. So the next chapter I'm going to go over is called Reform Your Email Patterns. Email is the root of all evil, at least when it comes to your spare time. You are technically always reachable via email because of that damn pinging, blinking, beeping cell phone thing that you carry around everywhere. Work knows it. Work is always bucking you both at the office and at home. In globalized companies, email is actually chasing you 24-7. When you got mail, the compulsion is to answer it immediately. It is like a ringing phone. Some obscure evolutionary force compels you to pick it up and respond. The reason why email is the root of all evil is because it robs you of your spare time in the worst way possible, intermittently. You're at home playing with your kids or flirting with your wife when, buzz, boss wants that report on his desk by 10 a.m. tomorrow. Damn it. Well, at least there's time to build some of that IKEA furniture when, buzz, damn it, got to answer this one too. Well, you actually don't need to answer it, at least not right away. The simplest, best way to drastically reduce the interference of email in your life is as follows. The best way to combat email evil is to consistently ignore it during your personal time. Let's break this down. The best way to combat email evil. 
Combat implies a proactive fight against an opponent. In this case, that enemy is email. It is necessary to take the fight to email in order to regain sovereignty over your spare time. And email truly is evil, as it seeks to rob you of the most valuable and non-renewable resource that you have, your time. It is to consistently ignore email. If you are the type to always instantly answer your email, even at home, then your colleagues will learn to expect that behavior from you. But if you train your coworkers to know that you will never answer emails during certain times, then they will learn not to expect an answer. So ignore email during your downtime. It is important to be consistent with it so your colleagues can learn to work around your new behavior. During your personal time, not getting paid during a particular time period, that's your time and no one else's. Protect your personal time ferociously. For a lot of people, this is a big step. Email has been around for 50 years, so most workers these days are very used to being tethered to their inbox. But I think most people would be surprised at how accepting their workplace would be if you avoided responding to email on your downtime. So here's the question. How do I respond to someone who expected a response last night and bugs me about it the next morning? If a colleague asks you why you didn't respond right away to an email sent the night before, then say you are trying something new and avoiding work email at home. Here are a few slightly cheeky responses. I've been doing an email cleanse after work every day. Care to join me? At the end of each day, I have decided to declare email bankruptcy. You can also straight up say that when you're at home, you cannot focus 100% at work as you are spending time with your family. You can also say that work emails can only get the attention they fully deserve when you are engaged and attentive at the office. So what is the worst case scenario for ignoring email outside of work hours? Only you can judge the worst case scenario for avoiding email on your downtime. But I bet that even the worst case really has very little impact. In fact, many of your coworkers may appreciate that you are breaking the email ball and chain because they feel anchored to it as well in their own personal lives. The best case scenario is that you start a movement at your workplace to have sacred time where email is not expected to be answered. I realize that for various industries, this may be difficult to implement. So if you're in a job which absolutely requires you to answer email immediately every time, then there's not much you can do. I gently suggest that if you have a job that requires you to be on call 24-7 and you totally hate it, then it might be time to move on to another career. Here are some other tips to reduce email evil in general, not just in your off hours, but also in the office. Deliberately disconnect your phone from receiving work emails. I do that. Try responding to emails via a phone call or face-to-face discussion, which can be much faster than typing something out. By actually talking to a live person, you often solve problems way quicker than sending 100 emails back and forth. Get out of the habit of replying all to tons of people. Only email people who need to know. In fact, try to avoid using the reply all button as much as possible. Reply all tends to have a compounding effect on the email evil problem. Don't send emails frivolously. Your colleagues will notice this and will return the favor. Email evil is a beast that can and should be conquered. Avoid checking and responding to email in your off hours and try to reduce the number of emails you get overall. These strategies will do wonders for your productivity as well as increase your spare time.
The last chapter is called Refocus on Deep Work, which is a time management and productivity technique that I've used personally, which allows me to get way more done in the time that I have. We live in a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat world. These days, most people have smartphone-induced attention deficit disorder, brought upon by our myriad electronic devices loaded with tons of distracting apps. In order to do anything productive, you need to have the discipline to take your eyes off the phone, or shut down a distracting website, or turn off a Netflix show running on your tablet. Focus is really hard these days. That is why the ability to focus on one thing has become a kind of superpower in our hyperactive world. Great things cannot be accomplished without great focus. That is why you should refocus your efforts on deep work. Deep work is a term coined by Cal Newport, a Georgetown professor of computer science. In his excellent book, Deep Work, Dr. Newport contends that it is the work that requires deep, meaningful concentration that ends up being the most important work that you can accomplish in your lifetime. If you refocus yourself on deep work, then you will find that you will accomplish far more meaningful results at the office than all the shallow paper pushing that the rest of your colleagues are mired in. Whatever industry you are in, you know exactly what deep work is. If you are an author, deep work is writing that book. If you are an architect, deep work is developing the new design for that challenging client. If you are a scientist, deep work is performing that exacting lab experiment to prove your craziest hypothesis. In order to go deep, you need to practice time blocking. Clear out your schedule so that you block out time for an important project. Once you get into that time block, turn off all distractions. Switch your phone off, disable website access, and close the door. Then go deep. Deep concentration, deep focus, deep work. Go deep for a period of several hours. Work on that important project for several days. Protect your time for all it's worth, and let everyone know what you are doing so that they respect your efforts. By going deep, you will create work that can be the cornerstone of your whole career. You can create work that can be a precious component of your legacy here on Earth. The more deep work you do, the more valuable you are at work. And the more valuable you are at work, the more time you potentially free up. Just be careful to control your workload. The saying, if you need work done, give it to a busy person, is true if you let it. Continue to practice the habit of saying no, and you will avoid getting swamped at work. Commit to working deep. It will change your career, your productivity, and even your life. That was three chapters from A Dad's Guide to Spare Time, Time Management Tips to Free Up to Do the Things You Love. If you like those three chapters, you could check out the whole book. I have it posted on Amazon.com as a Kindle ebook or as a paperback. I also plan on releasing it on the Apple's iTunes platform. So that's it for today. The next episode, episode 11, I'm going to be going over what to do with your spare time. And the answer to that for me and for a lot of other people is building, building a great life. What do you want to build? What do you want to create in your time here on earth? So that's it for today. Uh, my name is Anthony Kim, reminding you to be a great dad right from the start.